I mean, there's this huge piece of acceptance in there and acceptance doesn't mean you have to like it. Like that is not what acceptance is. Acceptance means I don't like it. Acceptance means I can sit with whatever feelings show up here. I can sit with whatever reality I'm going along with here, not liking it, but just being aware of whatever's showing up for me in this moment. I don't like it. This is hard. It doesn't feel good. There's that, you know, those thoughts that come in all the time, right? So acceptance is one key piece. The other piece that I think here is, gosh, it really needs to take a level of security, doesn't it? To be able to do that, that you have to be able to go inside and say, okay, I'm good. I'm okay. And then also with your partner, you know, having that security and trust with them, they're good. They're okay. Together, we can make this work. You're listening to Breaking the Ice, a podcast and community created for wives and girlfriends of professional hockey players, but since has turned into so much more. Stories shared by women around the globe who come together for a sense of connection and community. You may be in the sports industry, a hockey parent, an athlete, or a person who just enjoys podcasts, but I can promise you, you'll be inspired by these women every single day while we evolve through the tips, tricks, do's, and don'ts for all things hockey. And guess what? So much more. For women, by women, but especially for a hockey community. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking the Ice. If you are new here, this is a podcast and community created for wives and girlfriends of professional hockey players. Um, But since it's turned into so much more, you know, we have families who listen who are parents of hockey players, who are friends of hockey players. We have people that listen because they just enjoy the podcast or certain topics that resonate with them. So everybody is welcome here. We are inclusive of all leagues. And I think that you'll find within this podcast that even if you are not dating or married to a professional hockey player, a lot of the topics that we speak on are very relatable to just people in general and if you're in the sports world. I'm going to keep this intro super short and sweet today because we are saving all of the goods for the actual episode. Brittany and I have two final episodes together. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, you obviously know that I typically host this podcast by myself, but for a really long time, I was called to bring on a co-host because I wanted to add some variety and Brittany was the perfect person for this. And I know that you guys really enjoyed having her on. So I'm going to miss her so much and just our banter, but um, we're going to end these last two episodes with some really good ones for you. So next week, it's a community-based episode, so we answer all of your questions that you sent in for the question box, and we had a lot of fun with this one. And then today, we have Dr. Tracy D. coming on the podcast, and she is a clinical psychologist. She's a relationship expert. She's an author. She's a speaker. She is all around a dream guest for me. I actually found her because I listened to a podcast called Herself, which is primarily a podcast about just family and motherhood, and I really resonate with it. And I listened to an episode that Dr. Tracy was on, and I followed her on Instagram, and I subscribed to her podcast because I love it so much. And she shares so many useful tools about relationships in general, 
in-laws, how to speak to your partner. One of the things that she speaks about often, and I know that she has studied this just by listening to her podcast, is attachment styles, which I find is so interesting because the person that you're you know, with in life, they don't always have the same attachment styles as you. And from what I've kind of gathered, it, it really stems from like how you were raised. I share on the podcast, like my attachment style and I share my partner's attachment style and how that is kind of different and how it can be hard and challenging sometimes. So I asked Tracy to explain the different attachment styles and how to kind of work together if you're don't have the same one as your partner and how to kind of move forward and make those small little changes and implement them to improve your relationship. When I put a question box up on Instagram, because we wanted to hear your feedback, we wanted to hear what you wanted to hear about. And the same things kept coming up for almost all of you. So one of the main things that I saw that you sent in was questions about resentment. So a lot of us are uprooting our lives. We're sometimes leaving careers, we're leaving our friends and family. Often many of us are bringing our children with us, not seeing our family for, you know, eight plus months of the, of the season sometimes, especially with COVID. And it's hard not to feel that resentment creep in. You know, it's like our spouses, like their lives very much do not change too much. Like they're used to this lifestyle. They've always done it since they were little kids. But for us, like even for me, I've almost been with my husband for eight years now, and this still feels new to me. Like moving, uprooting twice a year, it's hard. And I don't think that, you know, it's not so much a chosen feeling, like we don't want to feel resentful, but sometimes it's like, you know, your life kind of remains moving while we're like staying here. And obviously we would never not go with them, you know, if if we wanted to because of that, but it's just it's an interesting topic and I'm really, really excited to share Dr. Tracy's perspective on all of this because obviously she's a professional and can kind of explain it from a more clear view. We also talk about long distance. Brittany asked some questions about how she feels very little control on this lifestyle. Brittany and I had a call the day before we were talking to Dr. Tracy and I was like, okay, how do we stay on track with this episode? Because I feel like all of these topics and because I've just been a huge fan of her for so long, I could honestly just pick her brain about one of these questions for probably an entire hour or more. So I was like, we have to like keep moving through these questions because I just, I feel like I could talk to her all day. So I am super, super grateful that she's coming on the podcast today and sharing her wisdom and advice with our community If you are not following her already, make sure to go follow her on Instagram at Dr. Tracy D. She shares so many relatable reels, so many relatable posts. I share them so often just so I can reference back sometimes so it can help me change the language of how I approach situations with my husband. And also she has a podcast called I Am Not Your Shrink. And there's also some very, very useful tools in there. So make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to her podcast and go ahead and give her a follow. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you find yourself connecting with it, please share to your story. This is how other women in our community find the podcast and just women in general. You were honestly like a dream 
guest for us. For me, I've listened to your podcast for so long. I followed you, you on Instagram and, um, I'd love to just know a little bit about who you are and how you got into what you do. Yes, absolutely. And thank you to both of you for having me here. It's such a privilege to be able to do this. And really this was one of the main reasons why I started doing what I was doing. I was on maternity leave with my second child. They're two years apart. And I remember the Canadian winter sitting in the basement, nursing my daughter and just not being happy with how the resources were being provided for women like us, where we were struggling in relationships. And I say we, because postpartum was hard. Even being a couples therapist, it was hard on my relationship. I didn't understand things like the mental load or maternal gatekeeping. Um, you know, I knew things about communication and how I should be communicating, but nobody can prepare you for motherhood or what's going to happen in your relationship. So that really was the start of Dr. Tracy D on Instagram and then podcasting. And my intention was just to reach more women and mothers outside of my therapy office, because I know it's hard to get here sometimes, whether, you know, Devin, like you, where you're located in the world, you can't be in my office uh, or you don't have time. Mm -hmm. So being able to reach more people all over the place has truly been a mission of mine and something that I feel like I've accomplished. Yeah. And I like, you do such a great job with your Instagram. I always save your posts so that I can go back to it because I think that, you know, everything that you put in your reels, which you make like light of these situations that are so relatable and like, I connect with them so much, but it just gives me a different perspective on ways that I can improve my relationship. So you do a really great job with that. Um, and Brittany and I were talking yesterday and we were, we both love psychology, obviously like Brittany went to school for it. It was my minor. My dad's a psychologist. So we were like, how are we going to keep this an hour? <laughs> like we just, we love it so much, but I put a question box up on Instagram because we wanted to kind of connect with our community and see like what they wanted to hear about. And there definitely was like a reoccurring theme amongst like what people wanted to know. And something that kept coming up was resentment. So that's something that's really, really common. And obviously we don't want to feel that way, but you know, majority of us are like uprooting our lives, often leaving careers, we're leaving our family, we're bringing our children with us. And so I would love to know really what resentment is and how, I guess we'll start with that and how it can show up in your relationship. Yeah. And I want to normalize that too. And I think what's really important is that we're starting to label this feeling and to talk about it and to not feel so shameful about it, right? That whenever we have an experience, it's important to be able to know, oh, I'm not alone in this. Other people experience this too. There's this common humanity piece that's so important. Oh, resentment. It is a toxic emotion that slowly erodes away at the health of your relationship. I mean, it's kind of just like putting this wedge between two people and not being able to connect. And it's actually this emotion. I would call it a secondary emotion, which means that it's an emotion about an emotion. So there are all kinds of other things, other emotions rather that make up resentment. So feelings in there would be like anger, disgust, disappointment, fear, loss, sadness. It's all in there. And when I really look at the people who I've worked with, who I talk to about resentment, there is one fundamental thing that I see show up. And that is that somehow my needs are not being met. They're not being heard. There is something that I need and I'm not getting it. And so that's where that resentment builds. And I can often see these common 
themes that show up for why we feel this way. So one is often these really tricky communication patterns. So, you know, I get stuck in, well, I'm a good blamer in my own relationships. So I go to the space of, you know, my partner's not even around and I'll be like, God, it's all your fault. This coffee mug spilled, (laughs) right? So we get into these tricky communication patterns. That is a key piece that shows up in terms of feeling that disconnection between us. So whether we get into blame or defensiveness, we get into these tricky patterns. Another one is, I've already mentioned the unmet needs and longings. And that's not just about, I mean, we could think of the love languages. Okay. So my partner doesn't give me words of affirmation. That could be one piece, but really at the core, it's like asking yourself, do I feel seen by my partner? Do I feel important to my partner? Do I feel like I'm failing or I'm not enough in some way? So that's really the core needs and longings I like to look at. And then the other piece that really can contribute into resentment, there's two other pieces, actually. The one is these unhelpful thoughts and expectations that we hold in our relationship. And I'm, I'm running a workshop, it's coming up in a few weeks, and I ran it last year. And when I mentioned perfectionism and high expectations of ourselves and our partner, everybody in the workshop just raised their hand on the screen. And that shows up because that's part of how we show up in our relationship and then what ends up happening in the dynamic. And then that last one is, I I know many can relate to this, is really this imbalance in the mental load, in Mm -hmm. the tasks around the house or with kids, and then not being able to hold those boundaries, or we get into these patterns of self-sacrificing, giving up ourselves for our partners. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like just saying that, I think the mental load, there's a lot that's put on the women in this lifestyle because our partners are gone so much. So not only are we moving away from home and living somewhere where we don't know, you know, a lot of people, but then they're gone and then they come home and they're exhausted. So they can't always like jump in and, you know, help out with everything. And so it is definitely an emotion that creeps in. What are some ways that we can kind of express that to our partner without coming off as like aggressive or hostile or getting to that point where it actually, you are just resentful all of the time? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first piece is recognizing that this is showing up for you and being able to make note of that for yourself and asking yourself, what is it that I'm missing? What is it that I need? So doing a bit of that internal work. And I always think that's really important because it's so easy to look externally. Well, if you just did this, well, if you got home and started to help out so easy to do that, um, the, there was a post I did on Instagram that a lot of people were like, Ooh, I have to think about this one where it's like, how do you contribute to the dynamic of what happens between you two? We all play a role in it. It doesn't make you bad for Mm -hmm. having that. It just means we have to look at that. I think that's the first piece, but the other piece here is showing up to your partner and saying, listen, I'm resenting you. We need to change. It's not really going to go over well because naturally (laughs) that feels like someone has just thrown a grenade in and your partner, of course, is going to go into, um, I call it a, um, a primal panic, right? Of, Oh, well, what does this mean? And they're either going to up the ante and argue with you while well, I do all these things. And what do you expect? Or they're going to shut down, right? We do one of two things, or I'm going to shut down and be like, okay, well, I just can never get it right for you. I'm going to go hide out in my den for a while. Doesn't work. So I always say, start with this really, you know, internal way of looking at what's happening for you and connect it to what you need. And when you share a need with your partner, be really clear. So things like I feel, I feel overwhelmed. 
I feel stressed. I feel sad. I feel alone. And then connecting that. What do I need? I need time alone. Can I take that now? Can I take it tomorrow night? What night can I take it? I need you to take the kids for the next hour. So I can right and really find that space to make it clear with your partner. Yeah. That's so interesting. I feel like sometimes it's hard to like, you feel a feeling, but you don't always know like what the need is that you meet, you know? Yeah. Or, and the the other piece too, Devin, with that is that then I find this happens a lot for, for women. I do it myself too. I go through this whole like assessment and well, maybe I don't, do I need it? Or am I just being dramatic? Maybe I don't really need it. Okay. I'll just push through here. And if you find yourself pushing through and saying, oh, well, maybe I should just be with the family and then guilt shows up and all of this other complex stuff, listen to that first, right? Find what it is that you need, listen to it and trust it rather than going inwards and saying, well, maybe I don't really need it. And I can just push through and I can suck this up. You do need something. And that's why you're feeling the resentment. Along those lines, um, I think like one of the biggest things that a lot of us struggle with is like in our spouse's careers, we don't, they don't have any control. So then we have even less control than they do. And that's just something that I've really struggled with. And I think it took my partner being traded um, the first year that we were dating. He was with the same team for five years before that. We, we were dating, you know, six months, half a year, um, and he was traded and all of a sudden it's like, okay, you have two hours to pack before the plane leaves. You're left with all my stuff. You pack up the apartment. And that was like really scarring. And then he got traded again that same year, which usually, usually it doesn't happen like that, but it was, it's just, um, you know, the, what other teams need and what, you know, his team didn't need. So I was wondering, um, are there any like tips or techniques that you could recommend, um, to make, just make us ladies feel like we have some control. Like I know there's really nothing we can change about how their organization works, but anything that we can do maybe to kind of calm ourselves down and just feel like we're a little bit more grounded. That is such a hard one, but it, it it's, I mean, how do you feel that sense of control? Because there's not much in, in your control there. Right. And, and especially to Brittany, when I sit with you, I just get the sense that you're someone that really values control and we, and we all do, right. That it is something that we like, we like certainty. That's just part of our makeup. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind there that I'm always wondering, and you know, for those listening, if you wanted to pass this to your partner so they could hear it as well, making space for feelings, right? Like you, you both have an experience in this. So your partner likely has a lot of feelings about being uprooted and moved, changing teams. There's a lot of that goes on for them as well. And so they have an experience, but what's important for them as well is to hear and make space for your feelings. And oftentimes what we do is that we fuse together. So I always like to use my hands. So for those listening, imagine two circles. I'm putting my fingers together, my fingers, my thumbs, two circles. Here you are in two separate people. And inside each circle are your own thoughts, feelings, opinions, desires, wishes, and values. And then the other circle, your partner has theirs. And we want to be autonomous. So that's our two separate circles. And we want to come together 
I'm imagining you guys have seen me do this on Instagram, right? So you come yeah. together. Now you are still separate, right? Autonomy and interdependence. You come together and share things and connect. But what happens in relationships is we fuse. So I'm putting one hand on top of the other. We fuse together. And so when one partner says, I'm really struggling with this move, this is impossible. I was left to do everything. The other partner sometimes being fused being, you could use the word codependent. I like to use fuse a bit better and being like, oh, so I made you do this. You're mad at me. Well, no, I'm just asking you to, can we make space for us to both have an emotional reaction to something that is incredibly difficult? That doesn't address the control piece, but I'm just thinking of the dynamic piece yes. for, for both partners. So, okay. So for you as the partner, whew, I mean, there's this huge piece of acceptance in there and acceptance doesn't mean you have to like it. Like that is not what acceptance is. Acceptance means I don't like it. Acceptance means I can sit with whatever feelings show up here. I can sit with whatever reality I'm going along with here, not liking it, but just being aware of whatever's showing up for me in this moment. I don't like it. This is hard. It doesn't feel good. Oh, there's that, you know, those thoughts that come in all the time, right? So acceptance is one key piece. The other piece that I think here is, gosh, it really needs to take a level of security, doesn't it? To be able to do that, that you have to be able to go inside and say, okay, I'm good. I'm okay. And then also with your partner, you know, having that security and trust with them, they're good. They're okay. Together we can make this work. Yeah. When we feel this loss of control, I like to encourage people that one way that could be helpful through that is to find where you do have control. So you can't control where you're moving, but can you control how you move? Who helps you? Do you outsource it? Um, can you control what you do in that area? I'm thinking of one woman that was in my Instagram and my Be Connected community. And we had really talked about she was moving because of her partner being in the military. And we talked more about, you know, where can I ground myself here? Can I go and make friends? Can I go to the yoga studio and find my own community here? Um, and making sure I'm still connected in other ways to my old community. Yeah. That's amazing. As you're saying that too, um, my husband left for, um, he's playing in New Jersey right now. So just because he's still living in a hotel, we decided that I would just stay here with our two dogs. We have a big yard. So it just makes more sense, but he's been gone for over a month now. And, you know, Devin and I have talked about it on previous podcasts. I was really, um, you know, nervous leading up to him leaving. And it's funny, just what you've said about control, because I feel like I've subconsciously done those things that you've said, like leading up to it, it's the worst, it's the anticipation. But then once he's gone, I've said to myself, I'm like, I'm okay. Like I can do this. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like now, and even just like what you said about finding areas that you can control, like that's, that's huge. I'm going to definitely take that now and use it because I think just for me and my brain, just having control over any, even little things would just be amazing. <laughs> and one other thing too, is if it all feels too big, go to your breath, right? Always connect back to your breath in any moment. Oh, this is a big feeling. These are big thoughts that are showing up for me right now. I can come back into the present moment, be with my breath, 
be in my body right here because we know our mind is so good at creating these stories. What if, what about in the future or in the past of like that time I had to move and that previous experience, right? But getting into the present moment is something so tangible that you can do. It doesn't have to be a 30 minute meditation. It's just as simple as, okay, I'm holding my coffee right now and I can feel the warmth and I can slow my breath and I can choose one of the ones I like to use is when you really feel that rush of emotion, you can turn your head side to side, right? And you're activating the nervous system to calm down and just going slowly side to side and intentionally noticing things in your area, in your space. I love that. I was just going to chime in really fast. When you said that acceptance is like the first piece, I instantly like in my head went, I need to do that more because Mm -hmm. for me, I think that I often find myself like fighting a lot of things that come our way because it's so unpredictable. Mm -hmm. It's like living in unorganized chaos. You you want to resist that, right? Exactly. Like, you know, he'll come home and say, Oh, I have to go back to the rink to do, you know, go, go karting with the team for team bonding. And I'm like, okay, so I'm, you know, stuck here with the baby for the next seven hours and it's hard not to get upset. Um, and so I think just like accepting and being like, okay, I don't have control over the situation. Like he's required to go to this. And I think that like having that, you know, I don't know what the right word is like resistance, I guess. Um, it's just going to make it more stressful for me and for him leaving, which is not going to benefit us in the long run. So yeah, yeah that, that really it, resonated with it me. It almost asks you to live moment to moment, which is really hard, right? Because especially if you're with baby all day, you have an expectation that you will Finally, have a moment to yourself, <laughs> right? I yep. can remember those days of standing at the door. My husband would come up. Okay, here you go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm leaving. Right? <laughs> you have the expectation to do that, and then when that's derailed, it's really hard because we're holding on to that. We need that. Um, and, and when I think of that, Devin, what's really important is being able to say, okay this is outside my control. I can accept that you have to go and do this. And I accept that I have these hard feelings and I'm going to need something. So can I get that need met tomorrow or the next day? Right. So that you're not always in that position of not meeting your own personal needs. And and this ties into a bigger topic of intimacy as well, is that you know, when we think about intimacy, especially after having a baby, it's so hard because we lose that part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And for desire and arousal, we need to first have intimacy with ourselves. Esther Perel talks about this beautifully in her book, Mating in Captivity. This idea of you need to nurture the self in your own identity. So I'm thinking of you, Brittany, like you being on your own and how important that is also to like do things that fill you up. And then when you're together, that feels really good because you can connect because you have that time for you. Totally. Yeah. Devin actually sent me, it was like so sweet. I had to drive him to the airport here. Um, you know, obviously when he left and she texts me and she's like, as soon as you get home, like go take the dog for dogs for a walk. She's like, just be outside, take that. And now it's almost like, you know, I walk around my neighborhood here, but we've got a really cute little downtown area and I've been grabbing, like I'll wake up early, grab an iced coffee. Now it's like warm coffee, actually. (laughs) It's so grounding just to do stuff like that. And even just talking to other, um, friends and girlfriends of hockey wives, like there is something really powerful, even about you know, when the guys leave, sometimes they'll just be gone for a week on a road trip or a weekend, but that's not easy either. And it's just very, um, reassuring to know that you can do this. 
Yeah. You, you're mentioning another really key pillar of happiness, which is social support. Yes. We need that connection with other people and particularly people who can understand what we're going through. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Like I, I would not be able to like get through a lot of the things I get through in this lifestyle. Like even sometimes it just feels good to be like, oh, they have this thing. And like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, just to know that like, we're all frustrated, but we all have to just accept totally. it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking about something else that's really important there is that when our partners are traveling and they're not available um, or you're being uprooted and that feeling of loss of control, how important our rituals become in mm-hmm. our relationship, right? Of that finding ways of how we can connect back together, either when we are together or if we have to maintain a stretch of being apart. And I think that piece also can be really helpful if you and your partner complete the love language quiz. It's a free quiz. And it's helpful to know what yours is. So you can talk to your partner from that, like using that verbiage and then also with your partner and then being able to say, oh, well, this is my love language. Cause what we often do is we give to the other person what we want rather than giving to them what they want. And so if, for example, you know, physical connection and quality time is really important to your partner. What kind of ritual do you have around that? Or if it's words of affirmation um, or acts of service, what's the ritual there? And ritual meaning what are those five to 10 minute things you can do daily, once a week, where you are finding a way to come back together? You know, something as simple, I like to take out the coffee mug for my partner in the morning and I put that beside the coffee machine. That's something so small, but it says, I'm thinking of you and I'm holding you in my mind knowing you'll come out and get coffee in a minute. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that would definitely help just feel a sense of like calm in the chaos, you know, just having something to like look forward to and count on. Um, and you also, so you mentioned you have that, do you have that quiz on your website? Or that's like the general love language. That, that is Gary Chapman. So just yes. go to Google and I've done that one. try that one. If you're looking to find out what the cycle is that you get stuck in, in your relationship, I do have a free quiz on my, on my website. Okay. I took that on your website. Yes. And that was one of the and questions. What did you think? I loved it. It was very, it like was very interesting. So, and that's something I wanted to talk to you about just through like following you and your, you know, podcast and everything. I know that you studied attachment styles Yeah, and it's funny last night. I was like, I just want to let you know, I'm saying this on my podcast. I hope you're okay. He's like, oh gosh. Okay. But you know, like I have a very anxious attachment style. I know that I've had anxiety forever. Like it's something that I work on all the time. My husband has an avoidant and I'm talking about like when we fight, Um, Uh and so like he's avoidant. And so it's kind of this like cycle of, I get overly attached and want that. I want to be closer when we're fighting. And then he kind of shuts down and is like, this is too much. He wants space. And so it's like the cycle. And then I, I like start to spiral because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? And so it's like a cycle that we both want to work on because, you know, we know that it doesn't work. But I would love for you to tell everyone like what, I think there's four attachment styles. Yeah. What they are and how we can navigate this. If our partner is, has a totally different one than ours. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if, if you want more, if, if you're more of a visual person, person, head over to my Instagram, Dr. Tracy D there is an attachment highlight 
Um, and I'm thinking that I put the post in there. So there are four attachment styles that a lot of people don't know actually map onto two different axes to make up four quadrants. So one line axis is the um, anxiety and one is avoidance. And so you get a score on avoidance, which is whether you're high or low, or basically how you view others. And then you get a score on anxiety, which is how you view self. And so these four attachment styles are made up of how you view self and other. Someone who is secure views themselves positively, trusts that they are worthy, and also trusts that they can turn to the other person when they are in times of stress. Our attachment system is activated when we're distressed, right? That's why, Devin, when you're saying we get into a fight, these are our, our coping strategies. Absolutely, right? They're coping strategies. So then the other one is preoccupied. Preoccupied is someone who doubts their lovability, is a little uncertain about themselves. And so they seek reassurance and they view other people as positive. They view other people as being able to give them that reassurance. They really need that. And that's the key here. That's tricky because with someone who is avoidant or dismissive, they have a negative view of other. So others are actually dangerous. They have been hurt in the past. Their caregivers didn't respond to them. And then they have a positive view of self. And my supervisor used to describe the avoidant individual as more like the James Bond, right? Like I will not share my emotions with you. We will have great passionate sex and then I will leave you the next day, <laughs> right? That's the coping strategy. And the key here that I think is also really important for someone who's more preoccupied and anxious to remember is that when we look at the cycle of how you respond and deal with emotions in the attachment system, your partner, Devin, still has all of the same feelings you have, but you learned to pursue, to go forward for soothing. They learned to shut those feelings down for soothing. And so I think sometimes what happens when someone is more anxious is they think my partner doesn't love me. They don't have any feelings. Tell me what you feel like you must feel something, but they've got it in there. It's just in their history somewhere, early childhood caregivers, other lovers, they were not either responded to consistently. They've had negative responses. They didn't learn that sharing emotions was safe, sharing emotions and needs. And then we have the fourth one, which is fearful avoidant. And this individual has a negative view of self and a negative view of other. And that is really the idea of like a push pull. It's like, I love you. I love you. Can you, you know, I want to be close to you. Oh, oh, too close, too close. Danger, danger, danger. Right. Tell me I'm good enough. No, I don't want to be near you. So it's a push pull. And that is someone who grew up in perhaps a physically abusive, a very neglectful environment. Yeah. So those are the four. And the most common question is, okay, so I'm anxious. My partner's avoiding, can we make it work? And really the question is yes. But again, this is that piece of being able to understand who am I and who is my partner and recognizing that we each have different strategies. And so we're going to have to try to soothe a little bit of the self, right? So if you're anxious, you need to soothe a little bit to give space for your partner to come and open the door, right? The door is a great analogy. I want to go to the door and bang on the door. Hello, can you hear me? I need you. I need you. And your partner's got to close. And you're like, no, it's too much. It's too overwhelming. I can't do this, right? I'm shut down. So the individual who's anxious needs to practice sitting outside the door and saying, okay, I am okay. We're okay. Here are all the reasons we are good and solid. And then the person behind the door has to practice self-soothing, right? That's that like regulating, 
you know, if they're overwhelmed, learning to breathe, learning to get present, going for walks, and then practice opening the door and coming to you with feelings. When, when this pairing comes up, I like to say, find an activity that you can do together where you can also talk about this important stuff. Um, one member in my membership, uh, be connected my online program. She had said they do the dishes together and that is a really safe place for her. She actually happens to be the one with the avoidant attachment that she feels very soothed because she's doing something which is activating her brain. And then she can have this hard conversation or going for walks or car rides. Jumping in on that when, um, in the past, I, like my parents split, we didn't talk about it, obviously, like, you know, I studied psychology, so I'm more aware of this stuff, like I, you know, psychoanalyze myself a lot, but, um, <laughs> and I didn't really have like good, like, you know, there wasn't any abuse or anything, but the relationships that I was in prior to my husband were, we didn't really talk too much. And towards the beginning of mine and Scott's relationship, I would definitely say that I was an avoidant attachment style. And, he, it almost made him a little bit anxious. And I think he, he's very secure for the most part, but just me being avoidant, he was kind of just like wanting to get more and more out of me. And I would like stutter when I would try to like bring up my feelings. So it was like a very real shock that I then studying the attachment styles. I was like, wow, I, I really was avoidant, but he's so incredible. And his parents are amazing high school sweethearts. So I really think that he learned from them. And now we're both like very secure and there's no issues. We just like bring everything up and it's really good. So it's, it's amazing that like, he really helped me work on that because Mm -hmm. I definitely would say I was avoidant in the past. And we know that from the research that you, you know, our early childhood experiences do not cement us now moving forward, that we are flexible and can change and can see different um, strategies. I want to say strategies in different relationships, depending on the other person, right? We can't discount this dynamic. And it really is the, when I'm upset, can I reach for you? And do I believe that you will respond? And of course, it's always going to matter. Does your partner respond to you? And if there are those repeated times of them, like using their strategy, which is like, well, no, I have to shut down. Then that gives you the message of, okay, they can't respond. And that must mean something about me, right? And so that dynamic goes back and forth and, and people can grow through that. I think that is one of the most powerful things for us to know. I teach that, I think it's in my lesson four and be connected. It, it's the attachment lesson. And I had one woman recently tell me, she's like, okay, wow. I just did not know all of these things I could be doing. And this level of understanding that I can bring to my partner, their attachment, and then also my attachment style. It's huge. Mm-hmm. I, so I remembered what I was going to say. I, I was trying to ask myself, like what my needs are when this situation occurs, because for me, I'm like, I have no problem if you need space. Like I'm someone like I need space. Sometimes I need to go for a walk to cool down so I can like collect my thoughts. But I'm like, the issue is that I it's, and I have no problem talking about this, but it's based on like past relationships for me. I have this fear of being left, which is my own, it's my own thing. Right. But I'm like, so I, your partner has to see your thing too, right? It's your own thing. And your partner can see it. Exactly. So I was like, what do I need when this is happening? Cause like, you know, I was trying to think about it and I finally said, you know, I think when you need space, I just need you to be like, I love you. I'm not going anywhere, 
but I need to, I need to take a break from this conversation and we'll come back and talk about it. Cause it's almost like, sure. You want to go for a walk, like totally fine. But it's like that, like kind of leave and it's not like a storm out kind of leap, but just like that leaving. I'm like, wait, wait, like it sends me into this like panic. So I thought that was a good conversation because I was like, okay, you know, this hopefully will get, you know, and also I need to do some self-soothing when this is happening too. But like, I'm like, hopefully this will give me some validation that like, he's not leaving, you know, it's like, it sounds ridiculous when I say it out loud, but like in the moment, it feels so real to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My partner talked about this on the, on my podcast and I invited him in scariest thing to have your partner on the podcast, (laughs) but he, he was lovely and he opened up and he said, he's like, you know, I used to be the one that would press to make everything better. I wanted to fix it. And that was my anxiety pushing me to do that. And he said, I really had to learn to trust that we are okay. Um, and that we will come back and work through it, but you needed to go do something else for yourself in that moment. And it can be really powerful. I always tell partners this, yes, you get to take your space, let your partner know we're okay. We're going to get through this. Either it's a hug or words of affirmation and reassurance, and then going to take your own space. It's much different than a partner just walking out of the room and closing the door. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that really is Devin, that's a beautiful demonstration of how we can make it work together. Right. So your partner can pause and say, I see you, we're good. And now I need to go soothe all of this inside <laughs> and we'll come back. But you're driving yeah. me crazy and I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that is part of relationships because you will have the same argument over and over and over again throughout your relationship. And it's not that there's anything wrong in your relationship. It's just what we do. This is our partnership. And each time we get a little bit different and that's okay. Don't they say that you fight with, you have the same fight with your partner that you had this, like towards the very beginning of your relationship. It's like something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I like to say when I'm, when I'm working with a couple, I'll always ask, tell me what attracted you to, to each other. And so one partner will say, oh, their just carefree approach was amazing. I loved how we would go on dates and didn't have things planned. And I could just let go of having to plan all the things. And then now, like five years later, you like trace this line of like, so tell me what's bringing you here. And they're like, he never plans anything. He doesn't think about me and da, 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 right. So the very thing you were attracted to is what is driving that distress. And sometimes what's really interesting is if you can dig a little bit deeper, it is this Sometimes there's like the, the shadow part of yourself. There's this like, gosh, I would love to be carefree, but that wasn't allowed growing up. And so my partner being carefree really stirs up this anger in me because I don't get to do that. But yeah, so that's kind of like one way you go into what is it that drives you mad about your partner? But I think the reality here though, is that we all have this stuff. I have my stuff. I was on another podcast recently talking about my partner's coffee mug and I would find it in the most random places. And at first it would just drive me up the wall and I would, you know, I'd say something to him and now I'm like, oh, well, there's this coffee mug. It's, it's going to do its thing for a while. Yeah. And that isn't the thing I want to get into a fight over today. I'm going to choose to prioritize our connection focus on the things that matter. And I can let the coffee cup go because there are other things that I need to talk to him about. Yeah. Yeah. Were you going to say something? Well, I feel like that kind of a little bit segues into my next question. That Mm -hmm. one. Um, So, you know, obviously like, as I was saying earlier in this lifestyle, I feel like none of us have like 
you know, been able to just be with our partners the entire time. There's usually frequent and sometimes very long periods of long distance, which um, I myself obviously have been doing just for a month now, which isn't the longest time, but it's, uh-huh. you know. Um, so I was wondering, just because I find um, it's tough with our schedules um, and we always try to see each other's faces. Like, I just think that's so nice before bed. We'll just, you know, FaceTime each other for five minutes. But sometimes I find I'm like barely struggling to keep my eyes open. And there's just, we just like, we're like, oh, hi, oh, hi, love you. Okay, good night. So I'm wondering if- um, Which doesn't really fulfill that connection cup no. in some way. Is that what you mean? Yeah. 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 It's just like, and you know, I love him and we communicate great, but I'm just wondering because I feel like so many of us probably have the same issue in this lifestyle. Are there any, you know, questions that you, you could recommend that we could ask each other to really feel that level of support. And, you know, Mm -hmm. even though we may only have 10 minutes to talk, I support you. And, you know, I want to hear about what's going on instead of just being like, how is your day? Cause I feel like that's our just how was your day? And it's kind How's of your day? boring it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how was your day is a tough question because for some people, myself, I can give a play-by-play of everything and how I felt doing it. And that's just my area of strength where I can like label the feeling and the thought that I had when X did this and Y did that. And then I did a, right. Not everybody processes that way. So if we ask our partners, how, how was your day? And if they do tend to kind of shut down their feelings, you're asking them to do something really complex, which is to go inwards to recall something and then to attach a feeling and a thought to it. And their emotional expression range might be shorter than yours. And and I think that can sometimes stir up frustration when our partners don't share more. We're like, okay, well, why aren't you sharing more? And can you tell me more? So I, I think going to each other and saying, can we come up with three questions that are like our go-to that would feel good for us? So things like what was something, um, what was something that you found stressful today? What was something that you, that excited you today, right? So I'm kind of, I'm going to the stress and the frustration area, but I'm also going to excitement and happy and joy. Um, You could also ask a question about your relationship and be open to feedback and giving feedback, which, and if you do it frequently, you don't have to build up to these moments where you feel resentful towards each other. How are you feeling about us today? Um, The question would be, how do you feel about the level of support I'm giving you right now, which is a big one. Um, and then the other one could be something like, let's share something that we appreciate about each other today. So that is the, like the connecting together and building that friendship and having that moment of gratitude, I think can be really important, especially when you are apart and you don't get to do the other things together, like, you know, having the meal together, going to bed together. Right. Yeah. Do you guys have specific questions that you guys do or. Or, or kind of the, how was your we, day? We actually had, yeah. Um, I don't, yeah. How, how was your day? Like we're, we're great at communicating We're I don't know. I somehow found my soulmate, which I'm really happy for. And he's great. As I said, he's made me a better person. Um, but one thing that we actually did at the beginning of our relationship that I loved, which maybe we should go back to doing, cause it was so fun, but we would like always make sure like we texted each other, like I say a paragraph. I'm not, I don't mean like a novel, but we would text a paragraph, whether it's like a hope for the future, like a vision mm-hmm. of the future, or just something to kind of like look forward to. So we would, you know, this was like a year in and we'd be like, you know, one day we're going to have our house with a pool and we're going to yeah. be celebrating our kid's birthday party together. And it's just stuff like that, where I was kind of like, that's so like fun to envision. So yeah, just even now, as you were giving those prompts, I was like, just 
you know, almost taking mental notes because it is, it's, I feel like it's easy to just get caught up and, you know, I'm busy here throughout the day. He's busy with hockey and he's living in a hotel. And I feel like it's so easy just to kind of like, be like, love you, like go to bed, but it's nice to, you're just looking for that spice, you know, you like, you just want. Yeah. (laughs) So you're talking about something really important there, which, um, Dr. John Gottman talks about, he studied over 3000 couples in his love lab. Um, and that's love map. What does your love map look like and your solid relationship house? So how do you tell the story of you? And can you even recall a memory together? What was one of your first memories together, right? That could be something that you can deepen connection. Um, what are your hopes and dreams for the future? That's a huge piece. And I think sometimes what we get into is that in our relationships, we've been together for so many years and we stop asking questions of being curious and there's so much to know about your partner still, all these private thoughts and feelings that naturally you don't share with each other because that's just the nature of our lives. And this is you going into that and saying, tell me what you envision. Tell me something that you get excited about. It's, it's so important. I feel I like, like it also paints that like bigger, it like puts the bigger picture back in your mind because in the mm-hmm. moment when you're doing long distance, it feels like forever. Like the time drags mm-hmm. by so slow. So like talking about yeah. the future is a nice way to like say, yeah. you know, like we're going to get through this and move on. And you know, even right. though it's hard right now, there's a lot yeah. more that lies ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is so important. So my, my husband and I, we actually met in Ottawa one night at a bar and he was visiting uh pier 21. It's okay. not open yeah. anymore. I would, <laughs> we I had a friend one a few times. Did you? That's so funny. Um, and he was visiting from Calgary. So he lived in Calgary and we did back and forth and that that's a four and a half hour flight. So it's not an easy commute. And then he lived, he didn't move to Ottawa. He moved back to Kingston. So two hours from Ottawa. So we did long distance until two months after our wedding. And it, it was hard and it challenged us to really have to communicate and vocalize our feelings about ourselves, our feelings about each other, what we needed, what was missing plans for the future. And I, I think if I could go back and talk to myself back then, I would probably say to myself, this will, you will be together at some point in some way. Right. And this is hard right now. And that's, that's hard. Just be kind to yourself when you get into those hard moments. Yeah. I think it, it definitely feels like lingering forever. That's for sure. And I know that a lot of people got thrown into long distance in this lifestyle this year because of COVID, especially unmarried couples. Um, a lot of them, like their boyfriend or, um, even fiance, they'd be coming over to even people that were married. I almost had a problem coming over here last year when I was pregnant. Um, because uh, visa issues, like they were like, you need to get here by this day. And it, you know, so a lot of people didn't, weren't able to come. So they got thrown into this major long distance. And I know like one of the audience questions was kind of about feeling drained and like burnt out with COVID and then like throwing long distance on top of it and like trying to, you know, remember that their partner is also feeling these things, like you said, which sometimes Your partner's not the bad guy. Yeah. I'm not trying to like gender stereotype, but sometimes men are not able to express as much as women when they have like these emotional needs that they need met. Um, And so like, I think, I think the question was kind of like, yeah, how can we support each other when we're both feeling drained and burnt out from like everything going on in the world right now? 
Yeah, oh, loaded such question. Because <laughs> it's heavy. It is, it is such a big question. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, where to go into that? I know. I, I, and so this question, this person is distance, was distance or is? Yeah, I think, well, it was an aspect of it, but just like feeling mm. drained, burnt out, COVID, yeah. like there, it was kind of like an intermix of a couple of questions. I, I'm thinking when it comes to burnout, you know, it's, it is such this pervasive experience that it's not just about doing one thing and it's going to change how we're doing. I mean, we're experiencing burnout with this pandemic, with how difficult things are in the past month and a half. I have seen more women that I'm working with taking time off work because it is just too much. And so I think we have to first be really honest with ourselves, kind of what I had said earlier on, not downplaying the struggle we're having. This is a super hard time. We could not have been prepared for this. And if you need time, you need to take time and only you can take that time. A lot of people will say my company will not support me or I can't, whatever it is, or I'm home with the baby by myself. Yes, that is part of some of that, but we've got to find something, some kind of wiggle room. And so if it's not about being able to take time off, then let's find some smaller ways to resource ourselves. And that is, you know, filling up my cup. Is it about waking up 10 minutes before the baby wakes up so that I can have a longer shower so I can meditate or just drink my hot coffee, something small and putting in these small things frequently, um, in some way to recharge ourselves because it's, it is long and hard. And if we can lean on social support, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, it, it is it's such a heavy piece right now. It's not, it's not going to be about just changing one thing. A lot of things have to change within that, which can feel even more overwhelming. So for those who are listening, feeling that sense of burnout, choose one thing today and just do that one thing for the next week, see how you do. And then add one more thing and do that one more thing for the next week. Right. So we're, we're building, um, and stacking in there. Yeah. Oh, so heavy. Yeah. So if, if someone's partner is feeling the same way, how do Mm. we like communicate that with them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's about making space for both feelings saying, you know, I I'm having this feeling right now. I'm really burnt out and we need to find a way to give me some of that time. And okay. So your partner has to be, if you guys are in the same place, you do have to find this giving back and forth because otherwise you both stay stuck and burn out. Right. Okay. So you're going to take baby for Tuesday night and I will be with baby on Wednesday night. Sometimes it has to come down. I will sleep in on Saturday. You will sleep in on Sunday. Like we have to make space for both people to give a little bit because the worst thing we want to do is get stuck in. Well, I'm more tired than you are, mm-hmm. but it doesn't get anywhere. Yeah. That's definitely a dangerous cycle to, <laughs> yeah. to be in. Right. Yes, of course. So like you always obviously hear that, you know, your marriage changes after having a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've listened to like several of your episodes about this and love your reels about this too. What would you say? Just, you know, I think a lot of women feel alone in that, like my marriage has changed so much. Like I've heard that from so many friends and I, I really would like to just kind of normalize this because I don't think that people talk about this. Like they just kind of keep it bottled up and inside and like, yeah, your marriage is going to shift after you have a baby. That's just a something that happens. And I think a lot of people are not necessarily like prepared or expect that. Um, Mm -hmm. so I was just kind of curious, like what's like the most common changes that you hear from 
maybe clients that you see of the ways that their marriage shifts after having a baby? Yeah, there's definitely more of that. So whatever was happening in you and your marriage beforehand is amplified afterwards. And it's amplified because you are being demanded more, you're sleep deprived, hormones are changing. Um, and you're also adjusting to an incredibly difficult time in your life. This is a role that you could not have prepared you. I truly believe that there's no book, no course that will say, this is how you're going to feel afterwards, right? So much changes. So you're trying to navigate all of that. And then whatever dynamic was existing before with you and your partner tends to get amplified. So if you would get into fights where one partner ups the ante, their shuts down, I see that even more so in this period. Um, there's this pattern of one of the biggest things is kind of like feeling two ships passing in the night. We lose our rituals because we're being demanded by, by someone who needs us. Right. And we're giving all of that inner intimacy and connection to your baby, right? You're holding your baby. You're getting oxytocin that way, instead of hugging your partner. And at the end of the day, you're all touched out, but sometimes we don't even have the words for these things. I have this post um, about being all touched out and it's just resonating with so many people. And they're like, I didn't know that this was an experience. I didn't know this was happening. Um, So then intimacy is another piece where a lot of women will feel pressure to return to sex, sex being penis and vagina and not the other forms of sex, which are other forms of intimacy are physical connection, uh, emotional connection, intellectual connection, experiential connection, right? Um, Being able to do something together, like the baby goes to bed and then you share your favorite cheese afterwards. (laughs) It's such a hard time that I think one of the biggest things we could start doing is just asking each other, how are you guys doing? Because I know for myself, life really changed for both of us and it was hard. And I just want you to know that you're not alone in that feeling. We had some solid fights when we became parents and I'm a therapist and I should know all of the things not to do. I did them all. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like you see on social media, like everyone's highlight reel. And so that's, yeah, it's like, that's why you think, you know, everybody has these perfect relationships and perfect lives and there's a lot going on than, you know, what, what meets the eye, I suppose. But, um, like something for me that I definitely saw stem after I had a baby was like overstimulation from like the mess Mm -hmm. having Mm -hmm. to cook dinner, having to breastfeeding, having to do that. And, you know, it just, it piles up. And so, um, I think that like, you know, I would take frustrations out, not necessarily because he was doing anything, but I'm like, I'm Mm -hmm. overstimulated. Like I can't do it all, you know? And so it is just an interesting time to like, like now that I'm kind of out of that, he's almost a year old now, but, and it's still, I have days where I'm very much overstimulated. I've definitely regulated that and can step back and look at that, but dang, especially hormones have changed too. Yeah. Yeah. That newborn phase is no joke. And you know, there's nothing that can prepare you for that. I think for the mom or for the dad, it just kind of hits you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> if I could give what if, if, yeah, if I could give one question that I would want people to talk, to talk about, it would be go to your partner and say, what roles did you see your caregivers play? So if your parents were in a heterosexual relationship, what role did you see them play? And then what, so what role did dad play? What role did mom play? What do you, what role do you want to play as we transition into this? What do you envision yourself? And then you sharing, what role did I see my parents play? 
What do I envision? And then being able to check in with that because it's so easy for mothers, birthing partners to then be the experts. Oh no, here, this is how you hold baby. Oh no, here, you know, change it this way and do it this diaper at this time. And da, 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 da. instead of letting our partners fail and struggle a little bit, if that's the role that they want to take, but being able to have that conversation is so important. And the other stuff, I mean, when we're sleep deprived, it's incredibly hard to turn to your partner and say, Oh my goodness, this feeling of being touched out is so incredibly hard. And gosh, I really long for those old days. And I doubt my worthiness of mother, right? We just don't have uh, the, the online brain connection to be able to do that when we are sleep deprived and exhausted. So a lot of grace, a lot of kindness to each other, um, and giving each other permission. Like you're both going through this and struggling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. If, if I could go back, I wish I could tell myself like, you don't have to have it all figured out. Mm, there's, there's going one. to be days where the house is going to be a mess and like, you just have to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I love that so much. Britt, is there anything you want to add? No, I mean, I, you know, Devin knows that, uh, I mean, we're married already, but after our actual wedding in Canada next summer, like we're going to be trying right away. So I'm just like a sponge absorbing this all guys. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to do it well because I've got all these notes now. I, I'm going to have to come to terms with the house being a mess. Cause I am very, very neat, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's really amazing and inspiring and being on a you know, new team, same team, whatever. There's always so many young moms. And I think all of them can really learn from that and resonate with that for sure. Yeah. And ask for help. Deb and I really like yes. what you said. And if I were to go back to myself, I would say like, wave the flag, ask for more help. I did not ask for enough help when I look back and just being able to ask someone, can you come over? And I know with COVID it's different and things are changing moving forward, but you know, can you come over and just hold my baby so I can please just go mm-hmm. have a shower? There are other people who are always there and willing to do that, but we have to signal to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I I saw something on Instagram. I don't know if it's something you posted, but they basically said like, after you have a baby, this is your time to receive. And mm-hmm. I think that's something where like people would offer to help. I'm like, oh, but let me do this for you, or let me right. do. And I'm like, I don't have the capacity to like do anything right now for anyone. Mm. I'm like, why am I feeling guilty that these people are helping me? Because I'm like, I need it. So I totally agree. I think like. ask for help. It's really hard, but it honestly, like it makes such a huge difference. Like, and it feels good to just accept it without the guilt, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Like I, same as Brittany, I'm just kind of like absorbing everything that you said. And I can't wait to like, listen, listen to it back and, you know, kind of retain this information. So Um, If anyone wants to follow you or listen to your podcast or reach out, maybe join your membership, where can they find you? Yes, absolutely. The number one thing is come hang out with me on Instagram, Dr. Tracy D um, and send me a DM. I'm in my DMs. It's social media. We're supposed to be social. So always say, say hello. Let me know you listen to the podcast. Um, People might be interested in my upcoming workshop. It is on resentment. The link is in my bio there. Uh, and to find all of the other resources I have, I have a blog, I have my online program. It's at drtracyd.com and Tracy is T-R-A-C-Y. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Devin. Thank you, Brittany. It was so lovely sitting with both of you today. I truly appreciate this time. <laughs>